As health reform brings a focus on the budget for Medicare, a little-known but influential group with links to the American Medical Association and specialty societies is getting a closer look. It's called the Relative Value Scale Update Committee, and it is at the center of an emerging debate over whether these doctors involved in the committee might have too much control over the flow of taxpayer dollars in the Medicare program. You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Barbara Levy. Dr. Levy is the chair of the AMA Specialty Society Relative Value Scale Update Committee, more commonly known in physician world as RUC. She served as a RUC member for the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists from 2000 through 2009. She is the gynecology medical director for the Women's Franciscan Health System in Tacoma, Washington. We're so happy to to have her join us from her offices in Tacoma, Washington. Dr. Barbara Levy, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, first, if you can tell our listeners who, you know, there's probably a lot of people even in the physician community who don't know what the RUC is, give us a little bit of background on the Relative Value Scale Update Committee and what its role is in setting fees and its role in the medical care program. Well, first of all, let me make it very clear that we have absolutely nothing to do with setting fees whatsoever. And that's actually one of the misnomers. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) When Congress passed the law, and I believe it was 1992, that determined that Medicare payments needed to be based on the resources necessary to perform a service. The AMA very proudly convened this expert panel of physicians to help adjudicate the resources that we need to use as physicians in order to perform certain services. So when people talk about relative value, they think we're talking about the value of a certain service to society or to physicians. What we're actually talking about is in relativity to other services, how many resources are consumed to provide a particular service. And we think that we, the AMA, and we, the ROC, believe that really only physicians can provide this kind of input. How does anyone else know what the intensity of providing a certain service may be? So this organization, this group, came together by the AMA. We are volunteers. We are made up of 26 voting members. There are at least two people from now CMS, it was HICVA, who sit at the table and listen to all of our deliberations and provide input as the deliberations are occurring. But we provide information to CMS with recommendations with respect to both the work component and the practice expenses, the direct expenses or costs that physicians will incur to provide a certain service. Now, when we talk about sort of the cloud, if you will, of the organization or the what is done behind the scenes. There are some who say that, you know, we're talking $500 billion or more of taxpayer dollars in the Medicare program. And some people believe that maybe the panel is dominated by specialists at a time when maybe the system might be spending too much money on sophisticated procedures and perhaps the primary care doctors might be getting 
shortchanged. And you probably heard that before, but if you could address that. Well, most definitely. So first of all, we are an expert panel. We are not a representative group. And there's a reason for that in that many of the new codes that we have to look at are fairly highly technical procedures, and they need to be compared to other highly technical procedures, something that would be difficult for someone who's not experienced with those things to adjudicate very easily. Most importantly, though, we don't create health policy, and the only thing the ROC does is provide input with respect to the work necessary to provide a service, and that work is defined by law as the time and intensity of the service. So we have absolutely no input about dollars or how those dollars are allocated. That is congressionally mandated, and CMS responds to their mandate. We don't really have any say in that matter at all, nor do we want to. We review existing codes, and we look at new codes in relativity to each other. The RUC also has a set of rules and requirements that things have to pass by a two-thirds vote. And as we have evaluated our own processes very carefully, it's quite clear that it really doesn't matter who the experts are. It matters, in other words, what specialty they come from. It matters that they are people who take this job very, very seriously, spend an inordinate amount of time and effort reviewing these codes and review them as experts in coding and experts in this particular process. But when we've assessed the voting, it really doesn't matter what specialty or what group a particular physician around the panel comes from. Well, and to that end, I mean, there are some folks who think that like, well, the AMA has a lot of power in this. And then if you're not playing nice with the AMA, that you might not get a seat at the table when these decisions are made. And you're saying that probably is not the case, or even if it were the case, it's not like everybody's going to go along with the same line of thinking? Exactly. Well, first of all, the people who sit at the table are proposed by their own specialty societies, not by the AMA. There is one AMA member and seat around the table. So that's point number one. Point number two, all of the things that we do our recommendations. We send a list of recommendations to CMS, and all the decisions are made by CMS, not by the RUC. Now, does Congress have any final say based on what Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services does? I mean, I assume they can make any law and make any policy changes, Correct. but they probably don't get involved. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. Now, they can certainly change the regulations. They can change allocation. But if we continue to pay medical professionals, and it's not only physicians, I should make this clear that we do have non-physician providers also represented at the RUC, nurse practitioners, physician's assistants, podiatrists also have some input into their own codes. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host. And joining me today is Dr. Barbara Levy, who is an obstetrician and gynecologist, joining us from Tacoma, Washington. But in this program, she's talking to us about the Relative Value Scale Update Committee. Given our listeners, you know, we have a lot of physician listeners and just people out there who might be wondering... How does this play a role in health care reform? And will there be changes in health care reform? 
relative to this when Congress is talking about looking at every dollar? Do you get different parameters? Do they say, here's a chunk of money, work within these parameters? Not at all. In fact, we don't deal with dollars at all. But I have to say that I'm extremely proud of the RUC. When CMS was assessing a new payment model, the Mm -hmm. patient-centered medical home model, and had spent a huge amount of money with consultants and folks to create parameters for the medical home, their consultants, after a couple of years of work, could not figure out a way to pay for the medical home in a way that made sense. The CMS came to the RUC and said, we're having trouble with this. The RUC took it on as a project, and in three months, now we had volunteer physicians on the phone, conference calling every week, several hours a week for three months, and the RUC was able to determine a way to provide input to CMS about the work and the practice expenses associated with the medical home model. I am incredibly proud of this group of folks for their dedication, for the dollars, the taxpayer dollars we saved Mm -hmm. by not having to hire another group of consultants, by buckling down and doing the work that we know how to do. And this obviously is a huge deal for primary care physicians. Were there primary care physicians involved with this? I mean, was the AMA was inclusive in this panel? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. In fact, the predominant input was from primary care physicians on this little work group that we use. But my point here is that this group of physicians saves the taxpayers a huge amount of money in that we do thousands of hours of work to provide this input to CMS. And so for some of the critics out there, I can think of Tom Scully, for example, talking about it's not healthy to have the interested party essentially driving the decision-making process. He was quoted in the Wall Street Journal. You would say, this is no picnic doing this, and we are being inclusive. Well, and I would say no one is in a position to do a better job than we can do. Mm-hmm. You know, when Mr. Scully was administrator at CMS, he spoke very highly of the RUC when he was intimately involved in the process. I think that the input that we provide with respect to the resources that physicians utilize in doing their procedures is something that really no one else can do. Are RUC decisions, are they used outside of the Medicare program? I mean, do health insurance companies use these evaluations? Yeah, RUC decisions are provided to CMS. CMS makes all the final decisions. And we're talking Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Correct. Those. So mm-hmm. the RUC will make recommendations based on our two-thirds majority votes. Those recommendations are submitted to Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. They will get input from outside sources in addition to the RUC and formulate the final rule for the year. Then additional input can be done. There's a 60-day comment period and additional comments can be done and there are refinement panels that can occur. So what the RUC does, what the AMA does through the RUC is exercise our First Amendment rights to submit recommendations to CMS. But all of the decisions come from CMS And then you're absolutely correct. Other third-party payers, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, United Healthcare, others may use the work and practice expense RVUs that were determined by CMS in creating their own payment scales. 
And for our listeners out there who are not in the health profession, or even those physicians who are not that familiar with it, when we're talking about the medical home, I mean, this is essentially a key part of health reform, and health insurers are already using this, where, you know, a patient is seeing a doctor regularly, and of course, the physicians want to make sure that the compensation is set up where, essentially, it's a bundled system. It's a bundled system to provide preventive services to try to keep patients out of the emergency room, out of the hospital. It's a proactive way of caring for patients, particularly those with multiple chronic illnesses. A lot of the requirements for medical home, for example, require that the physician or provider be available 24 hours a day to answer questions and to help provide the coordination of care. So it's a model that focuses on coordination of care, on care of the patient, and centered on the patient and the family, including social structure and other things that are necessary. It was not an easy thing to try to value that service in relativity to other services in the current physician payment arena. But as I said, I was really proud of the Rock for our ability to gather a huge amount of information and put together a payment structure for this that made sense. So are you saying the Tea Party is a little off base when they say that this health reform was government run? <laughs> if you guys had. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that is interesting because a lot of people think that, you know, some of these decisions, and especially our physician listeners, that some decisions relative to government payment, Medicare payment, might be made in a vacuum. And with at least in this situation, that's not the case. Well, you know, there's a, always a comment period from the time that the preliminary rule is sent out on an annual basis for anyone to comment on these CMS proposals. And it's very interesting that CMS gets very few comments from other sources. Other than, other the, than rock. the rock. Mm-hmm. Other than the rock. But it's wide open for anyone else to provide comment during that time. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Barbara Levy for really boiling down this very complex issue when we're talking about healthcare reform. It's always complex, but when we're talking Medicare reimbursement for physicians or for anyone, it's also a complex deal. And she talked to us about the Relative Value Scale Update Committee, which could find itself at the center of debate when Congress starts to look at the flow of taxpayer dollars in the Medicare program. My name is Bruce Japson. I've been your host. I'd like to thank Dr. Barbara Levy once again for being our guest on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please check us out at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.